The Socialist Think Tank team were honoured to be part of the World Transformed 2021. Here's our show, Socialist Night Live on tour. Hi, uh, welcome to Socialist Think Tank at the World Transformed. We do have something in common with Kia Starmer. At least two people in Darlington have heard of us. So uh, that's quite a, quite a claim to fame we've already got. The big difference between us and Starmer, though, is that um, we know where concert is and we have friends in concert. So uh, big shout out to everyone in concert and everyone at home. If you want to get involved in the conversation, as Dan said, download Discord, follow the link to the Discord chat. We will be reading out your comments throughout the show. Chantel's going to be helping us with that. If you are in the room and want to do that, and you want to get involved in the conversation as well, please make sure you also do the same thing. Download the Discord, but put in real life, so you can say in real life, and uh, maybe Chantelle will come over and speak to you. So um, let's get the panel on, shall we? Uh, firstly, we have Sasha Josette. Hi, Sasha, how are you doing? You're gonna, you'll need a microphone there. I need a mic. Hi. Hi. Um, it's really good to see you. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm just really pleased I managed to get on the stage without tripping up. That, yeah. That was like my first. First yeah, you've, you've, you've leapt over that very low bar, but well done. Yeah, I'm, sure, <laughs> I'm sure you'll do incredibly well. Um, next, coming in from the back of the room, someone you may, um, you may have heard of earlier on in the show. We mentioned him. Um, let's say hello to Jeremy Corbyn. Hi, Jeremy, if you just want to grab the mic there. And also, we've got, we'll come to Jeremy and have a chat with him in a second. Also, we've got Laura Daly coming as well. Hello. Hello. So, everyone had a nice journey down, everyone nice and safe? We made it. Yeah? Uh, we've been up since four o'clock in the morning, so do forgive me if I'm absolutely um, weird. <laughs> this, uh, in this next segment. Did you stop on your journey at all? Uh, yeah, just 10 minutes, 10 minutes, <laughs> a little um, little sneaky stop on the way down. But it was it was quite nice, and we'd fueled up yesterday as well. So, um, yeah, yeah, we were well prepared. Well, that's why it was called Socialist Think Tank. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Socialist Fuel Tank. Um, so, today what we're going to be doing, first thing we're going to be talking about is we're going to be talking about municipalism and... Some people will be thinking, if you're like me, and if you're um, you know, pretty ordinary type of person, you might wonder what municipalism is. So luckily, we've got someone who absolutely does know what municipalism is, so I'm gonna hand over to Sasha. So Sasha, there you go, no, no pressure. pressure. <laughs> no pressure at all. Um, so for a really big word, I would say it's our opportunity to actually organize workers, communities, and put some power back into them. Um, whether that's through community wealth building and the local economy or good old-fashioned community organising, which we used to do in the Labour Party. Um, that's, that's, for me, that's kind of our opportunity outside of the organising that happens inside the Labour Party, like what's happening at conference. Um, take a step back and go back and put some power back. So, like, 
it's it can you do this like in out of power does it matter whether you've got power or not what kind of power do you need to have in order to like improve yeah. things do i mean like we all want the power it's all about getting the power but right now we don't have it and we've got a choice you either kind of focus our resources in kind of organizing inside the state towards government um, or there is also organizing outside and it's not one or the other we need a broad movement that does everything but that's where we're at and it does you know obviously it just it gives us the opportunity to kind of actually push people towards our way of thinking yeah it's like for me it's like kind of the opposite of the way things work through Westminster and stuff it's like it's it's a bottom-up approach it's people doing things at the grassroots level and building on that and bringing those things together and I know Jeremy this is something that you're um, you're doing through the peace and justice project isn't it you're trying to trying to build something wider than a Westminster movement something that means a little bit more than that kind of direct power absolutely first of all thanks very much for inviting me on today and the point you're just making about power well we've all got power Every one of us in this room has power. We have the power to assent, to dissent. We have the power to organize. We have the power to demonstrate. We have the power to create. And it is, to me, all about empowering people and giving them confidence, which is why I was very determined that the Labour Party should transform itself from being an election machine, important as that is, into a community presence 365 days of the year community organizing there with people during the triumphs and disasters of their lives, there when you're winning against a landlord that's being intransigent, there when sometimes you're losing, when something's about to be closed or whatever, but above all being there as part of that community and that in turn would mobilize people to hold us, all of us, Labour government, Labour councils to account because uh, if uh, democracy is to work, then people have to be held to account for what they do. Um, after the election of 2019 and um, the result, obviously we all know what that was, I felt it was important that there be a, a place and an organization that would be welcoming to all those that want to see a different and better world and want to organize within communities and challenge uh, the status quo. So we established the project for justice and peace. Uh, we have um, about 50,000 people signed up to it um, and uh, the donations that come in every month mean it's sufficient to pay for an office and a small team of staff. Um, but above all it's about organizing in communities and around issues so we've set ourselves a task of uh, four different areas of work. Uh, media, reform, media um, challenges and working with uh, all of the independent media outlets, Canary, etc. Um, and in Manchester, uh, the, uh, the Monday of the Tory party conference, we're holding a, uh, a media reform event at the People's History Museum in which we'll be putting forward our ideas on media ownership and democratic access to the media and, very importantly, democratic control of the way in which social media and the big media platforms operate. I'll just leave you with one thought on this. When it suited the Indian government, 
they could shut down all media access for the Indian farmers during their dispute. And that happens all the time, all over the world. Very quickly, the other three areas are economic justice, working with um, food cooperatives and food banks, uh, union recognition campaigns, and uh, support for uh, disputes that are going on, and helping people to join unions so that we have a stronger union base, a stronger union membership, particularly amongst young workers and amongst those that are completely marginalized, like the delivery riders on whom all of us depend all the time, getting those people with union membership. Two other areas, very briefly, I can see your concerns. Um, um, the two, two other areas, the f one is environment, obviously. Uh, we are working with the um, Climate Justice Coalition, and we had a big demonstration yesterday of um, mainly young people in London, and Scarlett Westbrook, who organized that, is very much part of uh, our campaign, and we will be at COP26. But above all, it is pushing for a green industrial revolution. I don't want COP26 to be a load of greenwash where every corporation in the world comes out with a green band around its logo and says, don't worry, we really are saving the planet, but in the meantime, we're going to carry on flying around in private jets just like we have in the past. We'll continue hiring helicopters and we'll continue allowing children to grow up breathing foul and polluted air in the poorest areas of the poorest cities in the world. It's got to change. And it doesn't mean an attack on the living standards of people who work in those industries. It means a transformation of those industries whilst protecting the wages and conditions of those that work there. Without the solidarity of um, those who consider themselves environmentalists with those in trade unions organizing in what some would call difficult sectors will achieve nothing. I'll give you an example. David Graeber, sadly no longer with us, wonderful, brilliant, imaginative man. He linked together the dispute of the workers at Corriton Refinery who were in dispute with their employers um, with the environmentalists who were concerned about the emissions from the refinery. He said, in reality, you're both disempowered, you're both fighting the same struggle, you both want social justice and you both want economic justice and you both want us to use technology to achieve a cleaner, greener world. It is, we're not going to achieve environment and sustainability without working class activities and trade union presence in all of that campaign. It's not one or the other, it's both together. Sometimes it's complicated, but we've got to do that. And the last area is on international solidarity. Um, the idea that in the 21st century, we celebrate the advance into the 21st century by um, looking back with nostalgia at the old Cold War with the Soviet Union and start a new one with China. And when Biden said that he wasn't very keen on nation building anymore around the world, a succession of Tory MPs and not a few Labour MPs as well got up and said, well, if Biden won't play the global role, we will. We've already got an aircraft carrier in the South China Sea. And um, if, if Taiwan's under threat from China, we're going to get stuck in. Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. They're actually saying that this country, 65 million people, northwest coast of Europe, tiny proportion of the world's population, should have a global arms presence and involve ourselves in an alliance that can only lead to rearmament of the West and of China and of Russia at the same time. This is crazy beyond belief. Surely COVID has taught us something 
that real inequality is health inequality, is poverty, and the refugees are the ultimate victims of that. I want to live in a peaceful world. And if we've got differences with people, as we have on human rights, then challenge, then take it up, then support those in those societies that are demanding their rights. Work with them. But the idea we're going to sort of bomb our way into these things is simply not very sensible. Let's learn the lessons of Afghanistan, of Iraq, of Libya, of Syria, and talk to the 70 million people who are refugees around the world, many of whom are victims of war. We can do things differently. Our project, the Project for Peace and Justice, gives the space and the opportunity to do all of that and the organization to go with it. I've gone on too long. I will now stop and um, uh, become a Trappist for a few minutes. Is that all right? Will that be helpful? No, no, I, we, we enjoyed it, Jeremy, we enjoyed it. Yeah. That's what you, you say it so well. I'll, I'll tell you. <laughs> we'll, we'll tell you if you ever go on too long. Now, what you have is a, you have an excellent way of kind of taking something small and then relating it to the big and then relating it back to the small again, you know, because this is something that, like, you know, we can do in our everyday lives, we can change things in our everyday lives, but also it matters on a, on a great scale. Can you tell us something about how you set up the socialist think tank? Because I, when I heard about it, I was absolutely intrigued because um, Sedgefield's reputation has been int interesting over the years, shall we say. I'll say no more than that. But I, I just thought the idea of socialist think tank there was absolutely brilliant. I know you support Marish and the Durham Miners, and we had a great conversation about that on the day, on the, day the gala should have been held. Um, so just tell us how you did it and what, what it does. I think it's brilliant. Uh, so what we do is we, we aim to bring people together. So we're trying to, we're trying to like, normalize the ideas of socialism. A lot of the time, socialism is given this idea that we're, like, we're reds under the bed, that we want to nationalize your nana, that kind of thing. And what we really want to do is we want to help the world, we want to support people, and we want to see people working together in their communities under, like, you know, whatever, whatever banner that is, we want people to feel comfortable with bringing those ideas forward. What we started off doing is interviewing quite a few people who we thought were, like, you know, we, we, uh, we, we started off very early with Heather Wood and Alan Margem, who were people who, like, for us, where we live, they seem to be like our parents, grandparents, or friends, or relatives, you know, people we can really relate to. And the whole idea of Socialist Think Tank is relatable people talking about socialism, rather than it being this abstract idea, this it, it sort of way that people live. Um, it came out of, like, a few different things. We, we kind of just do things, and I think that's an important thing for people to just go and do stuff, don't ask for permission. We didn't ask for permission to... Um, to run against uh, the, the Blairites in Sedgefield and, uh, and become chair and, and whatever of Sedgefield CLP. But, you know, we, we organized and were successful and that's what we did. And, yeah, um, but, uh, yeah, it's been a bit of a, that, that's a different story for a different time, I think, what happened in Sedgefield CLP. But we did do think something, it's something I want to talk about as well. Laura's, um, Laura's the founder of the Women's Banner Group. So you do this municipalism thing really well with the Women's Banner Group. And it's not tricking people, but people have socialist ideas without knowing they're really socialist ideas. And you really engage with people on that, don't you, with the Women's Banner Group. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so I think um, 
I think essentially the word municipalism um, could be a difficult one for a lot of people to swallow, um, especially people you know who are working class. I'm not by any means saying they're not clever, um, but it's not a word you stumble across a lot of the time. But you know, as Sasha said, it is you know bringing people together to achieve a goal. Um, the Women's Banner Group was set up originally to do that very thing because the, you know, as Jeremy said, the Durham Miners Gala is like. Socialist Christmas is the best event all year in Open County Durham, and it's designed to recognise and remember the achievements of the trade unions and the miners. Um, but there was never anything dedicated to women specifically. Women were always there, and they did, um, you know, they did support the miners very, very heavily, actually. Um, and once you delve into their stories, you realize, you know, just how much they actually did. Um, so our group was set up to do that, to remember and recognize their achievements, keeping communities alive and fed, um, being out on the picket lines during the 84, 85 miners strike. Um, but once we started getting women together, we quickly realized that actually this isn't just a one issue group. Um, it is, women have a lot to say and they have achieved a hell of a lot um, and we need to just keep pushing forward for equality for women because we still don't have it. People can kid themselves as much as they want but we still don't have equality for women. Um, adding to that, you know, the intersectionalism that comes with that, if you're, if you're a black woman you are absolutely at much more of a disadvantage than I am as a white woman and I recognise that. Um, so it's just about... Um, really promoting equality, promoting women's rights, talking to women. And I found that when I spoke to a lot of women um, who, who wouldn't have considered themselves political at all, um, but were keen on specific issues, if you find something that you're passionate about and get involved in that, it doesn't have to be changing and changes the world of people around you. If you're passionate about it, get involved. the people around you who will warm to that and want to get involved as well. It doesn't, you don't need to be um, a huge political figure. No offense, Jeremy, you're awesome. But, you know, you can be a, a, a normal person, you know, working class Joe, and you can make a huge difference for your community. And I guess for me, that is what um, municipalism, people power is all about. And it is not something that is a lofty ambition. It's something that everybody can do. Um, thanks, Laura. That's uh, that's class. Exactly what we're after. Um, so I'm going to come to Chantelle in a moment because Chantelle. Before that, I want to talk to Sasha a second. Now, you've been heavily involved in the world transformed and everything, and all sorts of different forms of organising. You know absolutely loads about this, including this wonderful truck jamboree that we're we're currently at. I think there's a whole story behind that that I don't know. The truck jamboree story. Um, didn't, I don't know who it was, but one of the right-wing Labour MPs described it as a truck jamboree, apparently, the, the world transformed. The true style of, like, sort of uh, the 80s, um, lesbians and gays support the minors, for example. I see. The world transformed has taken that on and started selling T-shirts with truck jamboree on, which well, is uh, pretty I good. I love it. I'd rather a truck rave. Truck rave? <laughs> yeah, it's a truck rave. Later on. Um, yeah, so I got involved in TWT in 2016, um, kind of accidentally, to be honest. Um, I was at, I was invited to a friend's event, and I actually only went because he said his mum was cooking epionadas, and I really love his mum's food. 
and he's a really good DJ. Um, so it was, and it turned out to be the launch. This is it. It's all about food and music. Um, and it happened to be the launch of Momentum Latinx. And so I went along, saw, saw Jeremy, and saw this amazing event with like, music. And there were like, young children um, on this workshop making protest banners. So when Jeremy came in, they all kind of like rushed to the front with, with this kind of did a little mini protest. Um, amazing music met someone who was also running Momentum Arts and Media. And I thought, wow, you know, this is actually potentially a moment where I could be involved in party politics when I actually, up until that point, felt very disconnected from. Um, and then a few weeks later, I ended up in the Momentum head office. And um, I was chatting away and they were saying, well, we're doing this conference. It might turn into a festival. Somehow I ended up organizing with them. Somewhere along the line, I was like, oh, well, we need children involved. And they were like, yeah, you should totally do that. And that's a problem with the Momentum office. If anybody here has been, was involved with Momentum back in 2016, if you have an idea, there's always someone who goes, you should do that. <laughs> so, which is amazing because I felt like I came in off the street and really had, didn't have any experience as being an activist or an organizer and also had a little bit of imposter syndrome because I'd been a stay-at-home mum and I had these little kids around. I just thought, well, what can I do about anything? But actually, you can. You can do so much, um, particularly when you have people around you who are building a movement that is really open to involvement. Um, so then um, Momentum Kids happened, um, which was a really interesting experience because we were really quite heavily trolled. I got called... Um, I think Tim Farron, in his Lib Dem conference speech, referred to us as tiny trots. In a conference speech, uh, Minnie Mouse we got, that was quite interesting. Um, but also really important because it just highlighted the fact that so many people were very, very scared of the idea of educating young people about politics. So you kind of know you're onto something when you scare the right. Um, my daughter's actually in the room today, so she's like, she's, well, we're doing this. <laughs> um, after that, still like very much involved in the World Transformer Festival, and someone along the way convinced me to join the community organizing unit in the Labour Party. And I had the joy of, I'm really, really pleased to hear you talk about the Green Dust Revolution, because that was one of the organizing projects that I had been given to work with Rebecca Long-Bailey and her policy team on actually like really doing the work of building the movement around the policy, like democratizing policy. And so we kind of, we went all over the country, Morecambe, Blackpool, that's the event that you did for us. Um, and we went in and talked to communities, talked to workers, and you'd have like almost 250 people plus in a room from all across the community. You might have a GMB worker from a local power plant sitting on a table with a Women's Institute lady. Um, like it was just a complete diverse group of people. Um, and we talked about what a just transition or what climate policy would mean to us in that community and what do we need to do to get there. Um, and along the way, what most people don't know about those events is that afterwards I had to squirrel away inputting all of the listening that we did onto spreadsheets and sent them off along to the policy team, who then developed regional manifestos. 
Um, and it felt like one of the most, like if I could do that job every day for the rest of my life, I would be so happy. That was really powerful work and you could just see communities come alive and organizing legacy groups that were left behind because it's not like, as Jeremy said, it wasn't just about us going in and coming out. We were present in the community and we were there to continue capacity building, continue to build leadership and bring in the next generation of young people, of leaders, of activists, you know, the next person who's going to walk in off the street and start a new group. That's what we were there to do and to support. That's all. <laughs> and you have imposter syndrome. Imagine how we feel having listened to that. <laughs> um, so I'm going to bring in Chantel now. Now, normally what happens on Social's Think Tank is you'll have comments down the side and uh, people will interact at home and they will be like part of the conversation. They are the, as much a part of the panel as anyone else. We don't have the comments on the screen today, but what we lack in comments on the screen, we make up for in Chantel. So Chantel, is there anything uh, that's really um, standing out for you in the comments? Yeah. Today, but like that is an epic name and um, but just some fantastic comments like power back to the community we've shown how we can work together during the pandemic the Tories won't help us so let's help each other I just think that's so powerful and um, we've also got a few questions so obviously these are online and in the audience questions let me see if we've got Jane S here today Nope. Right, I'll read out Jane S's question. So, poverty is exhausting. So many people that desperately need a socialist government feel completely disenfranchised and isolated. How can we find a way to make it possible for people to fit being part of positive change into their lives around long work and care hours, struggling to make ends meet and the stress that that brings um, to the panel? Uh, I'd like to come in on that one, if that's okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> The thing is, um, political structures, and if you want to get involved in politics, um, do not lend themselves to people who work full-time or have children um, or are single mothers. You know, it just, it's, it's almost impossible. What I, what I would suggest is, um, going back to something Paul mentioned earlier on, is simply stop looking for permission. Go out and start something yourself. Yes. If you're struggling to get out and get some help, then be that help. Start, a, you know, a community group or, you know, a childcare group or, you know, find your team, find people who can help and support you to do that um, because you won't be the only one who finds that one thing really important. There will be people around you and it's about understanding that you've got the power and the strength to do that and finding the confidence to do it because we are too busy living in a top-down structure where the people at the top allow us to do things. We need to grab that power for ourselves and just go, no, I want to make this change. I need this change. I'm going to make it happen. And there will be people around you to help to do that. Amazing. Amazing. Does anyone else want to come in on that one? Go on, Jeremy. Uh, thanks for that. A really good point. I think it's about empowering people and getting them to feel their own strength of what they can achieve and that means when you're in a meeting in a community if somebody sort of complains about road safety or complains about something that is apparently quite minor 
don't dismiss it and push it aside and say, go away and talk to a counselor, go and do something about it, forget about it. And like it, we're, we're dealing with big issues here. No. If you work with that person to achieve a pedestrian crossing or whatever it happens to be, that is empowering the community of what they can do to improve their own community. And what I found during the Green Industrial Revolution round tables we did, I did several. The one you mentioned in Blackpool was uh, one of the best because we had a combination of many people working in uh, the uh, in industrial sectors in Blackpool, of which there are actually quite a lot, as well as people from Preston New Road who were opposing fracking, as well as people working in hotel catering and hospitality, as well as people working with homeless people in Blackpool. And it, was, it is a city of enormous poverty as well. And uh, I just found the creative thought process that was going on around those tables of bringing all those issues together about how we can make Blackpool a better, cleaner, greener place, what kind of industries we want for the future, what kind of jobs we want, all this, was really empowering. I did another one in Macclesfield, which is um, very different to Blackpool in many ways. It's largely commuter town, but has lots of hidden poverty within it. And um, pointing out how expensive it was to get to Manchester by train or bus, particularly at peak hours. So people ended up driving, hence more road space demanded, more motorways demanded, more pollution created, and said, look, the whole point is about campaigning on train fares and bus fares, as well as bus routes and things like that. And that, again, built up that sense of consciousness and awareness. And that is what I find so sad of what I believe was a really totally wrong decision by our party's national executive to close down community organizing. It was almost the first thing that they did. And I, I just think it, it's, it's tragic and, a, a, and such a loss of skills that we had within that, uh, within that unit. So it is, it is about empowering people. And the last thing I'd say is un, in COVID, um, two things have happened. One is through the mutual aid groups around the country, a lot of people have become active in their community for the first time. I mean, I find in my own constituency, young people who were moved into London, got good jobs, thought they were doing well, even though they were paying very high rents, they were sort of doing okay, suddenly discover they're stuck at home, suddenly discover their next door neighbor hasn't got enough to eat, and started volunteering in food delivery, mental health support, and one-to-one and -one counseling of people by phone and things. It's changed their lives. There's a whole mutual aid generation out there that will remember that sense of solidarity that grew during it. Don't, during it, don't dismiss that. The other thing we've learned is that um, the technology's been there for a long time. We don't have to have every meeting physically in a small room on a Thursday night. You can do it by Zoom. You can do it by all the technology we've got. And I would ask all of you, as an act of faith for the future, make sure that every meeting is also available online for those that can't get out, can't travel, have caring difficulties, or whatever reason it is. Don't just exclude them because they can't get to a meeting room. Include them by using a technology that's available to us, and that can empower a lot of people. I mean, some of the Zoom meetings I've done have been absolutely massive. Thousands of people at some of them. 
you know, sort of on, online meetings and things, much bigger than we would have ever got if we'd had, had the meeting in a room. So let's bear that in mind. We tend to disempower ourselves all the time. We talk ourselves down. We're actually socialist ideas, the labor movement, socialist ideas. Time has come beyond belief in an impoverished, divided, COVID-covered world. The free market ain't going to solve any of those problems. It's only socialism and socialist ideas that can bring about any good future for the rest of us. Amazing. Do you, can I ask, I want kind of like half a question for you as well. Do you feel like when, when you do your organizing, because this is something that's come, I felt a lot when organizing with working class women, particularly women of color, is that many of us and mums don't realize that we're already organizers. Like there's, you can't get better organizers than single mums dropping off their kids at the playground. Best ones you'll ever get best leaders you'll ever find in your community and I think like one it has to be so absolutely intrinsic to us to our values as socialists to go out and find and organize with those women working-class people in our community and actually like bring people together because we can't just sit back and talk about it and expect to change we have to kind of go and build leadership and like create that next generation and broaden the movement and find as many people as possible that we can kind of talk to and organize with and show that they can win and show that they have the power um, to change anything. Like start small and then go big, you know, start small with your local community as something to do with your PTA and then go big on the green industrial revolution and make sure those people are at the COP protests, for example. And I think there's so much more that we can, like, the community organizing team doesn't exist anymore, but all of us who are on the team have gone on into roles and jobs or founded new projects that continue that work and that is not lost. And the 20,000 people that we organized with and trained, those people are still there. We haven't forgotten them. We'll go back to them and we'll organize with them. That's I'd like to do a little quick one as well. Um, one of the things I've noticed is sometimes ambition gets in the way of empowering people. And I've seen this time and again in the Labour Party. Um, there, are, there are different types of people who will join the Labour Party. Some people want to see socialism, and some people want to see themselves at the front in socialism, and some people want to just see themselves in front. And I think it's, it's really... Um, you know, obviously everyone's experiences are different, but we'll have all met someone who, you know, they're not in it for us, they're in it for themselves. That attitude has to go. You know, we've got to do it together. It's the movement that matters. It's not the individual that matters. So I think we need to watch out for that. Really, That's really important. And the other thing is, um, if you've got some power, give it away. Give away your power, as much power as you have. Woo! And I think Jeremy's a prime example of that. And I think it scared the life out of everyone that he was going to actually give power away to other people and say, actually, no, you can go and do this. And that, I think, as much as anything else, was one of the reasons that people really feared what you were going to bring, Jeremy. It was the idea that you were actually going to empower people and those structures that have been taken years and years to put in place, hundreds of years to put in place, 
were going to start to be dismantled, and that was the kickback, and I think we need to be completely aware of that, and uh, also stop, stop assuming everyone is always acting in good faith, because uh, they're not. Some of them aren't. A lot of us are, but some of them aren't. Definitely. Um, some... <laughs> Amazing points on the panel. Laura, did you want to add anything or? You I, I don't think I can add anything <laughs> to that. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Don't get me started on uh, the incredible nature of women organising, or we will literally not end this show. Yes, yes. Can we have a round of applause for women organising? Come on, women activists. the amazing activists that's on the couch right now um, and the points you've made are just fantastic especially about you know integrating it into your life and like you say Jeremy making it accessible and utilising Zoom um, Gandalf the Grey has made a comment that kind of supports that finds a local group and injects some socialism into it so it's about you know finding, finding what you're passionate about because that'll give you loads of energy and also looking within your life whether it be work whether it be your community group and kind of finding out what you can do to support that or to grow activism within your community i will just ask our audience is there anyone in the audience who has a question for the panel yes what's your name hi monica i'll give you the mic hey um so you mentioned earlier a general fear around the word socialism so even though people are for the NHS, they're for oh, I feel the, feedback. Uh, the many, not the few. Um, and I was just wondering what can be done about this. So for example, we've seen a shift in attitude with the pandemic towards care workers and key workers and celebrating them more, hence the name key worker, and rightfully so. Um, but then even with the pandemic, even with this labeling, we're still seeing the Tories leading um, in the polls and even as a politics student I cannot fathom that I, I, I cannot understand that so I'd love to know a little bit from yeah, what you guys think about it yeah I think um, we'll, we'll leave off I think there's a Labour Party aspect to that we're going to leave off that towards the end but the rest of the question um, about about that does anyone want to want to come on on that Jeremy do you want to come well socialism is about everyday life and how you live your life and uh, get to the point about saying you're a socialist by means of talking about the issues that bring people together that in fact show that actually the vast majority of people do hold socialist values to some extent or the other and uh, the NHS at its best is the most wonderful institution possible healthcare free at the point of need for everybody it's a, a basic human right and value and uh, I am fed up with defending the NHS against cuts and privatization and being cut up and everything else I want us to be campaigning for a comprehensive national health service and a national care service on the same basis funded by taxation uh, as an example of what socialism is about and then you know, people get to that position but socialism is also about culture and art and expression which is why uh, we shouldn't sort of always cut ourselves off and insist that all meetings are only ever um, rather boring and rather doer and rather long 
and preferably held on cold winter nights in, in miserable halls. Actually, I think uh, all our meetings should include, mu include music, should include poetry, should include ways of, of getting people to think about things because people come to political conclusions by lots of different routes. Let's make sure we're on all those routes as well because uh, it is about challenging the idea you can run a society based on greed or you can run a society based on meeting need. Big difference. And if you got, start from the basis that everyone's basic needs for housing, for health, for education, for food, for clean air, for clean water are met, and that is the principle, um, that's important. And one thing we, were, we put into both the manifestos was that um, we wanted our government to be judged by the reduction of inequality, by the improvement of environmental standards, by the improvement of children's uh, living standards and housing. So we're judged by a whole lot of social parameters, not by um, the absolute brilliance, I'm sure, of Andrew Mara and the Today program, because sometimes they seem to me just far too shallow to be involved in serious political analysis. Um, I think, I do wonder as well whether we need to lead with the word socialism. Like maybe we don't have to do that. Maybe we can just go in as organizers and get there along the way. Because I think people will like naturally find the, you know, what, is, what feels good to them, to their families, to their communities. But if we go in, you know, maybe this is from a cons perspective, I don't know, but I feel like if you go in and you say, this is socialism and we'd like you to sign up, most people who are busy, you know, like some, sometimes I like to think about like when in these kind of situations, when I'm kind of questioning, you know, our strategies and tactics, I kind of like to think about like, if I was having this conversation where in the council estate where I grew up, like how do I have this conversation with people? Uh, who are surviving because it can't be by saying, hey, become a socialist, because it just doesn't work that way. It just not, doesn't work that way. Um, so I guess I'm kind of like beating the same drum a little bit, but like we have to become organizers and chiefs in our own communities, and people will, will come. Um, there was this, even this woman in uh, 2017, like the dates, they were really, I feel like we've been in election mode for like, ever um, but I think it was a 2017 election and I was in I was a teller in a Stroud polling station and this woman came I don't know if anyone knows Stroud it's Gloucestershire it's quite rural um, and oh yes and <laughs> um, it's quite rural um, that it, that's true it is um, and quite conservative as well although it wasn't in that election um, and this woman came charging up to me and she had she what I would describe as twin set and pearls um, and I thought oh god it's going to be a Tory how am I going to deal with this and you know I'm really exhausted we've been up for days you know campaigning and canvassing and she came up to me and she said I need to talk to you and I was like yeah and she said um, I have been a card-carrying, paid-up member of the Conservative Party my whole life. 
And I didn't want to be rude and ask her how old she was, but I would say she was probably kind of heading towards 70s. And I said, okay. And she said, today, I voted for the Labour Party. And I, <laughs> I know, right? And I said, well, do you mind if I ask why? And at this point, she had actual tears in her eyes. I think I might have been crying as well, because I was so tired. Um, and she said, you know, well, I've got a daughter who is a teacher, and she's got loads of... Like, student loans and she can barely make ends meet. I've got another daughter who is at home with her children and she can't get back into work because childcare is in. She kind of explained the struggles of her family. And um, she ended with, with tears rolling down her eyes, um, today I went in and did what was right for my family and for my community and for my country. So it can happen if we go in and organize with people and not just knock on doors because it's an election, but we knocked on doors because we were a community and we believe in each other. We can move people. Yeah, I think um, that's a really, really good question, actually. And, do you know, we've been... It's been commented upon that we're called Socialist Think Tank and maybe we should rethink the name if, other, if we want to get people who don't agree with socialism to listen. I've got my T-shirt now. I know, right? We're not changing it, don't worry. Um, <laughs> because we're not changing it because our whole thing was about normalising the word socialism, explaining to people what it is. I think our big problem is the messaging. Um, and it's one of the things I'm really enjoying about the Peace and Justice project, project is because we are tackling media. We are tackling huge, big conglomerates who are, um, you know, who have interests in government. Um, and trying to just, you know, we started talking to ordinary people you'd meet down the pub. Um, and the, the question we asked them, we've got loads of shows, you can go and check them out on our website, Origins always starts with the question, what is socialism to you? Um, and you'll find common threads running through every single interview. They're all, um, everyone has different experiences, has arrived at socialism in a different way, but most of them have experienced the experience of socialism, you know, in their communities, in, in the support they get from their friends and family, um, in working together, and that, that theme um, is a message we need to get out there that actually that's what socialism is. It's not. It's not this really, really awful, nasty thing that's going to come and tear away your livelihoods and everything from you. And you know, um, so for that reason, I absolutely agree with Sasha. We should be organising, and we shouldn't go be a socialist. He's a badge, um, but we should teach the lessons of what socialism is. Um, and the messaging just does get lost. And I think, you know, it's, it's not that um, socialism didn't win and isn't winning now and the Tories are. The fact of the matter is we don't really, socialism isn't on the table at the minute. Um, and we need to put it back on there and we need to fight for it and we need to have these conversations. We need to tackle big media that wants us not to talk about socialism or even working class rights and we should all bow our little caps and take our little greyhounds for a walk and, you know, I live up north. Um, you know, we need to... <laughs> Exactly. We need to be fighting back and we need to live and experience and bleed socialism at its very core. Um, and so that's why I'm a proud socialist and I will shout it from the rooftops and why you will not get me to change the name of this channel either.
um, I think that we need to understand exactly where we are. Um, we have had an onslaught in the media because I think socialism is quite a natural way to behave. I think it's the way human beings, and if you look at like anthropology or you know, um, and, and history, actually people have socialistic principles. What we've had is we've had 40 years of think tanks um, like who are funded by maybe, I don't know, oil conglomerates or like the Koch brothers, for example, have been funding think tanks for 40 years and putting these ideas out, these really, really unnatural, greedy ideas out into the mainstream. And you'll find people saying some very unusual things. Um, I'm a teacher myself, so I've been a key worker and I work throughout the pandemic and, and what have you. And uh, throughout my career, like I've been 15 years or so, I've seen pensions slashed and all sorts of things. And when my pension was slashed and we went on strike for it, um, people were saying, well, my pension's rubbish. And it's this race to the bottom mentality. That is the default. It's like, well, you, you don't deserve to have a good pension that you deliberately signed up to. You know, like it, it was almost as if we'd been gifted it and it was like a magical thing. Well, I knew that I was getting that pension and, and that's a reduction in, in, in my terms. They didn't get that. They were just looking at themselves and it's that Thatcherite ideology. And in a place that hates Thatcher, like, you know, I, I used to live right next door to the pub that um, everyone went to uh, when Thatcher died. You know, the, the Margaret Thatcher died party and the BBC were there and everything. That's where, like, these are the communities I live in, yet we hear Thatcherite ideas all the time. This race to the bottom mentality, this greed is best. And it's ordinary people, people think that's the default thing. People think that's normal. It's not normal, it's completely unnatural. It's unnatural because when it comes down to it, people will help one another and people will care about one another. And we saw that in the mutual aid groups that have been referenced during COVID. We saw that, um, that community spirit, that kindness that, we, that I believe socialism is. And yet people have fallen back on it now. A few nasty headlines in the, in the billionaire owned press and all of a sudden, everyone's hating teachers again, you know? It's like, the, the, where people are clapping on doorsteps. And now I've seen, like, there was a, was it the Freeman Hospital in Newcastle where they, um, where they were calling them Nazis because of the vaccine and, and things like that? Um, you know, there was, there was spray paint on the sign saying that the NHS were Nazis. And there's a lot of work to do. And no one else is going to do it for us, so that's why Socialist Think Tank exists. So we're going to get these ideas out there whatever way we can, and hopefully someone's going to stumble across them. And we want to go out to people who, are, who think they're on the right, because a lot of the time I speak to people, I speak to people all the time, because my job means that I have to speak to people from a complete spectrum, because I'm teaching a complete spectrum of people. And um, you'll find people with right-wing views have very, very, very similar concerns. We shouldn't be dismissing people for having right-wing views because they've been fed this absolute nonsense for years and years and years on end. Um, and we should never dismiss people. And personally, I absolutely hate cancel culture as well. Like, what's the point in trying to cancel someone because of the views? The whole point of what we're trying to do is change minds. If you think that a person needs to be cancelled for the views that they have and they can't be changed, other than Nazis who you punch in the face, of course, but um, if you think that people aren't, that can't change the views, then what are we doing this for? You know, that's the kind of liberal centrist ideology. That's you. That's you forever. This is who you are. 
We accept that we can make mistakes. We accept that other people can make mistakes. So that's where we need to be going from. We need to go from a, a point of view where we know that we are fallible, we aren't perfect, and we know the people we're talking to aren't perfect, but we can all change it and all help each other and get better. So I think that's the sort of thing we need to be doing. And this isn't going to come from big media. This is going to come from small media. So I would say support all of the small media channels that are going around at the moment because there's some really, really good ones um, through the IMA or um, you know all these things, the world transformed. These ideas are out there. Get behind them, support them. That's what I would say. Amazing. Um, do you want any more comments? Just or do you want one to come more. In? Point, put in a plug for what we're doing in Manchester on October the 4th on <laughs> alternative media because we can all put it out through our own links as well. This discussion and debate we're having, Gary Young and others are going to be there. It's going to be very interesting because if we don't, as socialists, as activists, get some handle on how we're going to communicate with not just with each other, but with the whole wide public out there, without it being moderated by uh, Rupert Murdoch and his ilk, then we're going to make things life very difficult for ourselves. We've got to get serious about how we ensure that is a media there in which our voices can be heard. It really is very, very important. I mean, I say this having been through um, some difficulties with mainstream media over the past five years. I put it no higher than that because I, no, I bear no grudge or ill will towards anybody, but I just noted some of it was a little unfair and a little inaccurate. Only 91% unfair. You should have asked some different people, like Keir Starmer asked for, like, you know, just go and ask those I'm Two surely, taxi drivers from Darlington. Yeah, I'm sure there's a couple of people in Darlington who liked you, Jeremy. Oh, the taxi drivers in Darlington. I've met the taxi drivers in Darlington as well, you know. Those two specific ones, probably. <laughs> I've met taxi drivers in lots of places, and they're okay, they're fine. We just, we get along just fine. Yeah, yeah. we love taxi drivers. Um, so, did you want to do one more, Chantelle, and then we'll got go? one more question, if that's okay, and it kind of ties into the comments you were making, um, Jeremy, and as a scouser, it's something I quite feel quite strongly about. So, we've got Lizzie from um, Unity News. Would you like to ask? Hiya, everybody. I've already asked you two, <laughs> Laura and Paul, but um, Jez and, and Sasha, uh, what do you think of the fact that the Labour Party conference has banned all independent media from the conference this year and is welcoming with open arms The Sun and GB News? Well, I didn't know they'd banned them, actually. I, I'm shocked by that, absolutely shocked by that. Well, I was going to clarify that. We were refused press passes because they said okay. we weren't on the list of their accepted media. Okay. Well... I don't think The Sun should be here. I don't think GB News should be here. I do think all those independent media sources that do a great job and an awful lot of people do tune in and listen to them. I mean, if we are to grow as a movement and grow as a cause, you don't do it by leaving out the very people that are trying to spread radical ideas and trying to empower people who are taking part in activities and struggles. And you've got to do that. So um, I just think it's a very, very unfortunate decision the way you've just described it to me. I'd not heard that until you just said that to me today. 
Justice for the 97. Justice for the 97, absolutely. And uh, I, I do think that the legacy of the Justice for the 97 campaign has been a complete radicalization of politics on Merseyside. And the um, boycott the sun has had an enormous political effect going on now into its third decade. And I think it's very important to remember the power of those kind of campaigns. Next Saturday, today week, I'll be in Shrewsbury, where they are celebrating that after 40 years, 40 years of campaigning, they've actually got somewhere with justice for the Shrewsbury 24. Some of them haven't lived to see that justice, but I just think you've got to take your hat off to people that have spent more than half a lifetime campaigning about the injustice of what happened to them in 1972 in the building workers' strike. And I'll be very pleased to be there with the Shrewsbury Trades Council next Saturday celebrating that achievement. Um. As the representative of the World Transform Festival on the couch today, I would have one thing to say about this. The sun is not welcome here, yes. ever. Total eclipse of the sun. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we've already answered this before, like uh, in, a, in a prelude, so you can probably see that video. But one thing I'd like to add is uh, Socialist Think Tank are regulated by Impress. Impress don't expect us to be impartial, and I think that's a really important thing for the news. Like, there's this really ridiculous concept that the BBC are impartial. Um, and and they're, trying to, they're trying to do this, I don't know try to do this balancing act where they try and become impartial by putting two polar opposite views. It's like, I think it's incredibly difficult to be a journalist and not have an element of bias about you. Everyone's got an opinion. So why are some people saying they're impartial and some people are seen as being, well, oh, no, you're not impartial, you're not impartial. No one's an impartial journalist. At least be honest about what your affiliation is and, and, and what you believe in, because people will accept that, and I think we should be doing that a lot more. Um, and obviously, uh, I'll, I'll not swear, because normally we're a bit later on, we could have swear, but some, uh, we, uh, we can't bleep it out, but um, something in the sun. <laughs> so it looked like the sun. <laughs> <laughs> My mum might be watching. Um, so <laughs> um, okay, we're going to move on to the like the last section now, um, and we're going to talk about the Labour Party and socialism, and where the where the Labour Party is with socialism, where it fits in, where the socialists fit in in the Labour Party, which is it's obviously been a really really hard time for any socialist in the Labour Party over the over the past couple of years. And also, it's, it's been really difficult to know where the line is and how you keep the left together and say, right, what's our line in the sand? Do you simply stay part of the Labour Party forever, even though you're getting your head kicked in? Because like, I've heard of stay and fight, and I'm also, I, I think at the moment it's stay and get your head kicked in. Um, it's just the right, bashing the left constantly, and, and no fight back, really. Um, we're trying to get those ideas out there. We're doing things in different ways, but within the party itself, it is staying. Get your head kicked in at the moment. Um, but what I want to do is, because we like to be positive as well, what I'd like to do is think back to what the Labour Party was in, 
especially 2017, I think that feeling of hope. Like the other day, I watched the party political broadcast, the one with uh, Lily Allen singing on, and that's yeah, it. That just makes me cry. It was such a beautiful party political broadcast, and yeah, and it, and it touched you, and it was emotional, and you know, it, it, it's an important thing that we touch that, and we, that we offer some hope. Now, I don't think the Labour Party are offering that, and we'll talk about that at the moment. But, like, um, Sasha, I know you wanted to say something about the hope that, of that time. I have lots of things to say about hope. I think hope should be, like, the basis of all our organising. It's, it's joy. It's hope. We need to bring that back in to everything we do. Um, which kind of felt, that's what it felt like, 20, well, even 2016, I think. Um, before I got, before... I joined the Labour Party um, and Momentum, and before I even thought I had a space in party politics, and I just remember, you know, like for me, being able to put the kids to sleep, and our CLP meeting is at 7pm on a Thursday, and it's just like, I'm not going to put two kids to sleep and then go to this pale male stale meeting, and we, you go into the room, and unless you're actually like quite involved you're not going to really understand that you have to put a motion together or how to write a motion it's like it's so disenfranchising um and i was a single mum it's like it's just never going to happen and then so it was this one day when um i've actually wanted to be able to tell you particularly this story for a while um there's what there was one day when um i had two other kids one was in the bath and was refusing to come out and one was, the one in the audience right now, um, was running around the bedroom with her pyjamas half on, refusing to get pyjamas on. So clearly I am t in total control of my children. And um, the radio was on in the background and I heard a voice say, Jeremy Corbyn, blah, 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 ballot paper, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, oh, that name rings a bell. Can't remember why. Like, what is that? You know, and that was the like household name, but this bell went off. I um, finally got the kids to bed and called my mum and was like, oh, do you hear the news? Something, something, Jeremy Corbyn. And she was like, child, sit yourself down. We have some words to say about this. Um, and so she's talked to me. In fact, the next day she brought, brought around this box. Um, and she said, do you remember when you were little... Do you remember the ANC rallies? Do you remember the anti-apartheid rallies? Do you remember the marching in front with Diane and Jeremy and John? Do you remember all these people who stood with us in solidarity with our campaign groups? And I was like, well, kind of, because I was really little. Um, and, she's, and she's pulled out a piece of paper. So we are political exiles here, my family. Um, my dad at the time was a prisoner of conscience. And she put a letter on the table calling for my dad's release from prison, signed Jeremy Corbyn, no less. And I thought that this is what socialism is. This is our international solidarity in action. He was released from prison. There was, because so many people stood in solidarity with us, with, with the oppressed around the world. And that kind of has to be a part of what we do because it makes a difference because I heard that and thought maybe there is a space for me in the Labour Party and there was um, and that is something that we need to continue to ensure within our movement if it's not in the Labour Party then in the broader movement that is some that is the feeling that we want everybody to be inspired by to feel hopeful by to know that we 
stand in solidarity with them and their struggle. So thanks for the letter. And Jeremy, you've done, like, obviously you've been doing this for years and it's a nice to hear a story, like, the, the, a personal story from someone you've supported there. It is a bit embarrassing, actually. <laughs> I mean, but it's this what, isn't probably that quite a what, few people. Isn't that what Labour MPs should do? I was very proud to be elected to Parliament in 1983. I represent a very diverse community, and uh, I believe we also have a responsibility to campaign with others all around the world in any way that we can, and that I've always done and always will do, because that's what solidarity is about, and it comes often in the most peculiar and strange ways that you give solidarity to somebody, and then years later you discover that it actually all worked and they did get out of prison, they did make their contribution in life, and that is what it's about. So um, we should never pass by on the other side. Um, Socialism and the Labour Party, the Labour Party was formed as a um, conglomeration of socialist organizations and some trade unions, and then later the relationship was formalized in 1918, and the 1918 constitution included the old clause for words. Uh, Tony Benn always said the Labour Party is a political party with socialists in it, whereas others would say it is a socialist party. Well, you can kind of debate, debate that nuance forever, but quite simply, uh, for the Labour Party to be strong and to win an election, we cannot just say we're going to tinker with an economic system that has enriched the, the super-rich, impoverished the majority of the population, and is now so incompetently run that we cannot even keep, the, uh, keep trucks on the road that need to be on the road and, and cannot run a health service without apparently handing billions to the private sector who run it incredibly inefficiently. We're not going to win an election if all we do is promise to manage it better. There's got to be a fundamental, fundamental economic shift in our society of reversal of this and a transfer of wealth and power to the poorest in our society. That's got to happen, and it's going to be difficult on the way, and you're going to get lots of opposition on the way, and um, we know the kind of attacks we're going to get from the very richest and most powerful in our society. But, but to mean anything, we've got to adopt those kind of strategies and, and policies. And if we're under attack from the mainstream media the whole time, there's a reason for that. There is a reason for that, which I think people are beginning to now appreciate what we went through over the past five years, because they, they now see that uh, a lot of what we were saying, particularly on economic questions and on regional inequality in Britain, which is probably the worst anywhere in Europe. My, my guesstimation is that it's that. And so they, we have to adopt those socialist policies that go with it. And so. Wouldn't it be great if we said, look, our priorities are healthcare, priorities, education, priorities are the empowerment of people. You can mobilize people on that way, you can get that enthusiasm going. But if all you're saying is you're gonna manage the same situation differently, well, it's not gonna win, it's an election. 2015 general election. 
The manifesto had some good stuff in it. Yeah, there was good stuff in it. There was good stuff on housing, good stuff on quite a lot of areas. Absolutely. But, this was a big but, fundamentally, we were carrying on with austerity. We were not going to refund local government to the level it needed to be funded. We were going to carry on with the wage freeze in the public sector. We were not actually challenging the disastrous decision to go into austerity in 2010. And that's why we've got to change that with a, a sort of fundamental economic offer. And you heard what I said earlier about international, international stuff. Listen. The 21st century has got to be the time for socialism like it's never been happened before. We cannot go headlong into an environmental crisis without a collective solution to it. There's no free market solution to it. There's only a collective solution. Dennis Skinner, and I'll stop with this, put this brilliantly once. I mean, there's some people in this room that are old enough to remember the concept of an enterprise allowance, aren't you? It was Margaret Thatcher's idea that you slice up and destroy every industry in the country, and you give anybody who wants to set up a business an enterprise allowance, and that'll, they're all going to be okay. And so the issue of the ozone hole over the Antarctic came up, and Margaret Thatcher decided to make a statement to Parliament about the ozone layer. I have to say, I don't think most MPs had a clue what the ozone layer was, but they put, made a good fist of looking like they understood it. So Dennis Skinner gets called to speak, and he says, you'll not fix the ozone hole with a man, a bike, and an enterprise allowance. <laughs> You can only do it by collective governmental action. Um, Laura, like me, me and you have shared some interesting experiences in Sedgefield CLP. Obviously, like the, the, yeah, the, well, do do what we want, Jeremy. We can do what we want. Um, so, you know, Sedgefield is the birthplace of Blairism, um, and there are a lot of characters there. And it's interesting that uh, some of them might be trying to seek back into the party having left before the 2019 election, funnily enough. Um, so, like, you know, tell us a couple of your experiences there and why the current situation is a bit hopeless. Yeah, so, um, oh, Sedgefield, right. So, um, I became the women's officer for Sedgefield pretty quickly once we moved into the area. Um, and I really wanted to be positive and try new things and no, 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 you don't do that in Sedgefield. Um, what you do do is you get the people within the party to write to the Daily Mail about you, about how much of a bully you are, having never met any of them before. So that was my first experience. <laughs> and uh, it just kind of went from bad to worse, really. You know, we, we do have a lot of staunch Blairites. Um, who would, you know, um, just tackle every single thing we wanted to do, who would use any method they could, whether that is writing to the Daily Mail or putting in complaints to Labour North or, or what have you. Um, so it was very much an us-and-them constituency. Um, and I do feel that that trained me well for what's happening now um, because, you know, we're seeing now people like myself and Paul and all the fantastic people we managed to bring it within into the party in Sedgefield, get them active. We, we have a fantastic constituency now. Our officers are really um, eager to help and, and really passionate about what they do. Um, 
and we want to keep that, but the enthusiasm is waning quite a lot. Um, and it is really difficult when you're having conversations, even amongst people on the left as well, because the left is, let's face it, very broad. And as Paul said, we don't want to shut down conversation. We do want to listen to everybody's opinion. Um, so there is, you know, there's the argument, stay and fight. You've got to stay, you've got to be in it, you've got to bring them down from within. You know, I speak to Ian Lavery quite a lot and he's very much of the mind that we need to be in there, we need to be fighting and giving them hell and it's our party. Um, and then we have the people who've just gone, you know what, I've given blood, sweat and tears and nobody cares. I'm trying really hard um, and I'm just being turned away. Doors are being closed in my face all the time. We're not achieving anything. Now we're being told we're not allowed to speak about things. Our meetings have become, you know, laughable. Um, we get motions, we're like, sorry, we can't hear that. Can't talk about that, can't mention that. So the meetings are a lot shorter, granted, um, because we're not allowed to talk about a lot of things now. And it's, for me, it's, it's, it is soul-destroying when we had so much hope and passion and enthusiasm and now we're being silenced and told that we don't matter. For me, the party is its members and if we're hemorrhaging members, not only because they are disenfranchised but because they're being told they're not welcome, that is a huge, huge problem and one we have to tackle head-on. Um, like Sasha says, you know, we do need to organize, whether that is within the party or external to the party. I sort of feel like I've achieved more in the last few years with the Women's Banner Group or with Socialist Think Tank than I have within the party because I'm coming up against brick walls and no one's listening to me. Um, working within those specific parameters, those structures where you have to tick boxes and you have to write things in the right way and say things in the right way isn't working for us. So I'll go right back to the beginning of this whole conversation and say, find your group, find your team, find the thing that you're passionate about in your area and work on that because that will make change. You will start to feel empowered by that change and then you'll be able to tackle bigger and bigger things and soon we'll be taking on, you know, the, the not just the Blairites, not just the Tories, not just the Trumps of the world. We will be internationalists and socialism will be normalized and it will be welcomed, but you've got to start small and we've got to empower our communities. So that's where I would say we are with the Labour Party at the moment. Before we move on to another question, I just thought we'd just, how about kind of ending this particular bit on a, bringing some joy and hope back in because we've all worked really hard and I'm gonna bring this up and it's not really a subject that I know that much about in all honesty, so maybe a bit of a risk, but I feel like there are some really like radical labor councils around the country that, are that have built from the work of the last five years that are kind of leading on kind of readdressing regional local inequalities through the local authority and community wealth building projects. And we all kind of talk about Preston a lot. And I think there's um, another in um, Scotland, in North Ayrshire. And there's, I think there's like some examples of the work that has happened and that is still happening within the Labour Party. And perhaps there's an opportunity for those of us who are still in and who decided to stay and fight um, in the spirit of Ian Lavery, um, perhaps we can look at how we change 
and organise the local economy. Yay. <laughs> um, I just, just, just to um, bring it down again, and I'm so sorry for this. But uh, just to bring it down again, in in Sedgefield, it's been an interesting battle. So we've we've had, um, and it has been a battle, which is a shame because the CLP actually, everyone's like, everyone said, oh, it went left, and there was the Daily Mail headlines that Laura referred to, where it said, oh, momentum takeover. It was funny because none of us were actually in momentum; we were just generally left wing. Um, so there was all that information. So everyone thinks that it was really left wing, but it wasn't just left wing. What it was is it was um, it was a backlash against a really really poorly run CLP. Like they didn't know what they were doing. They were terrible. They didn't couldn't infuse anyone. They used to turn up and say, "Look, sit down, shut up. We all, none of us want to be here, so get out." And, you know, this is what I've been told um, because I I was quite new to the CLP when we uh, when I became chair. But since since becoming them, we've engaged people, and there are people who consider themselves to be moderates within the party, whatever that means. Because like, I think we're all pretty moderate, to be honest, um, in our in our expectations. But we've um, we had those, and now they're starting to leave the party because the the meetings. I'm I'm chairing them, and I'm saying, sorry, we can't talk about that. Sorry, we can't mention Jeremy Corbett's name. Like, it's, it's utterly, utterly ridiculous. You can't run anything like that. It's absolutely preposterous. And I think, again, I'm going to refer back to something I said earlier on. We believe that, like, I think on the left, we always think people are, they're acting in good faith, you know. They believe in something. They believe, they believe in this. They won't control the party. I think what we have to accept is they would rather see the party burnt down and absolutely bankrupt and useless. They have trashed. When they... What either they did or didn't realise, I think they, some of them didn't realise, some of them they did. When they were going after Jeremy Corbyn time and time again, that damaged the Labour Party because people didn't see Jeremy Corbyn, they saw the Labour Party, Jeremy Corbyn, so it was all tied in together. So people ended up hating the Labour Party more than they already did in our constituency, some of them, um, under Blair, because a lot of them hated Tony Blair as well. So we've had this like long process, but now within the party, we can't even address that. And I think what we need to accept is they don't give a shit. Like, they, like we, sent a, we sent a message to Keir Starmer asking him to resign after they lost Hartlepool, after they lost Durham County Council. And, you know, we wrote to him to say that. We got a polite reply. Thank you for your email. We asked him to stick to his pledges. We have done everything democratically possible within the party, and they do not give a shit. I'll tell you this now. They're not bothered. They're not bothered what the members say. Like, you know, I don't know what's going on in conference at the moment, but they'll be trying to subvert the members' will, as we keep on saying. Stop trying to think everyone is acting in good faith. They are not acting in good faith. They are trying to do something, and they don't care if they burn down the Labour Party as they do it. That's my own personal experience within the Labour Party. And again, we've got to accept reality. And whatever we do, whether that's, like, whether that's stay and fight, whether that's organise elsewhere, do it fully informed. This isn't, a, like, this isn't a really deep negative thing that I'm saying. Just accept reality. That's the only place you can ever fight from. They don't care. They'll jump ship. They'll go to something else. There'll be another vehicle for them. They'll end up in lobbying or they'll end up in another party or something like that. We saw that with Change UK. They are not bothered. They don't love the Labour Party the way people I know on the left absolutely do love the Labour Party. They are not invested in it in the same way. They want power. They don't want, like, we wanted power so we could change things. They wanted power as an end. It's a very, very different thing. And I think if we accept that, 
then we at least know what, like, what we're fighting for. Because at the moment, I think people just aren't accepting that enough and think people are acting in good faith. Um, so sorry for bringing the mood down a little bit there. Um, trying to end on joy. Sorry, we'll end on joy now, but um, I'm going to bring in... Chantelle, have you got any... Mm. I wasn't trying to cheer us up. But I'm sorry. Chantelle, do, do we have any more comments coming in that we'd like? Because we've got um, another 10 minutes. It'll be nice to end on some viewer comments or some room comments. Do we have any more comments from the room? Let me get over here. I'll go this way. What's your name? Danny. Hi, Danny. Go on. Hi, guys. Um, thanks for a great event. Um, what do you think of the importance of the role of trade unions, uh, especially given that the Labour Party isn't in the way that we'd want it to be at the moment? Um, with trade unions, that is uh, workers coming together collectively to make change without waiting for anyone to, to dictate it to them. Um, I don't know how many people in this room are members of trade unions, but we all should be. Um, so, yeah, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, yeah, I hugely agree. Um, I'm a secretary for my workplace branch. Um, it is, it is like another family. Um, I think, yes, the Labour Party was founded on trade unionism, um, and I think the Labour Party is losing that a little bit. But trade unions, when they work, work amazingly. I mean, let's. We could list all the things that trade unions have given us and we'd be here forever. I think what we need to do is organise within our trade unions. You're absolutely right. We need to get involved. We need to tell people, don't join a trade union as an insurance policy. Join a trade union and get active in it and work together, work collectively because we... Oh, God. Oh, God, I'm going to say it, Anna. We are the many. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but there's... there's with a 99%, there are more of us than there are of them. And if we get together in our units, whatever that is, and trade unions are the perfect way to do it, you know, even if you're not working, there's a unite community there. Hopefully that will keep going strong. Um, to bring people together, to give voices, to give a bit of structure, a bit of help, to fight the fights that need fighting. You know, we we have had um, our, our workers' rights, uh, I think, starting to be stripped away from us again. You know, the gig economy is absolutely pathetic. We shouldn't be living in a day and age where that insecure work is a possibility. Um, you know, wages are rubbish. The only way we're going to change that is through our trade unions and by putting pressure on through our trade unions. So absolutely, I think that is one of the ways to go. Not the only way to go. Um, one of the main ones, if you are in work, if you do have access to joining a trade union, like Unite Community, as I say, you don't have to be working to join them. Do it. Find yourself another team. I keep saying this. Build teams, build communities everywhere you look and fight things that are important to you and important to the people around you. And yeah, trade unions are absolutely the place to start. Amazing. Um, I, I tried to get uh, the NASUWT to affiliate to the Labour Party, so I'm probably not the best person to ask. Um, no, I think, I think there's an education to, to this as well. Um, people need to be educated on what a trade union is, so I'm a, I'm a trade union rep, I'm president of the NASUWT in County Durham, um, so I do know like the problems that we face, and I think it's people seeing the union as an insurance policy, as a backup plan. Um, I, I often try to refer to them as, say, rather than use union, I'll say people who work in a place, 
I often think like, you know, you'll see a big press headline and it'll say, oh, unions go on strike and people will go, hey, bloody unions. And you say, people who work in a place go on strike, they'll go, hey, I wonder what they've gone on strike for. You know, it's, it, language does matter. Now, I absolutely love unions and I think it's incredible, but we need to do the education around what a union is, what a union member should do. And if you look to the past and if you look to like unionization in, the, in America, like in the 70s and stuff like that, where you had people who would solidarity strike with one another and things like that, you know, we have fallen a long way in the trade union movement and we need to, I think, teach the history of what's going, because we're going to learn a lot from what's happened in the past and we need to take that power back, I think. It's also about education, about what unions are, which should take place in school and college as well the history of trade unionism, the activities, how they came about, and so on. Um, and in the uh, 70s, when union membership was at its historic highest ever uh, in Britain, uh, I was a union organizer during that period, and uh, recruiting members was not particularly difficult at all. In fact, you know, we used to get targets of, uh, you know, you've got to recruit 500 members this month and things like that. And it, and it, and it well, and do you want to come to my union and, and help happened. me? <laughs> and it happened as well. It happened. I mean, it was a time of growth in <clears throat> public. I was a public sector union, NUPI. But <clears throat> it was a time of growth uh, and so on. Um, but a, a, a couple of things I'd say is Thatcher attacked the unions because she knew she needed to in order to get through her deindustrialization free market policies. And um, whilst union membership is now going up again, it needs to go up a lot faster. There needs to be a lot more recruitment, particularly on those working in um, insecure jobs, delivery, catering, cleaning, all those areas. Um, but it also means the unions have got to be much more involved in community activities as well. So it's the social union as well. So the union isn't just concerned about the workplace and wages and conditions, vital as they are, it's also got to be part and parcel of the wider issues of society. And I would like us to see a situation where when somebody joins a union, they're in that union for life and it's part of their lives. It doesn't have to be that when you change jobs you lose your union membership and you then got to go and join somebody else. I mean, I think the Unite Community Membership thing is an absolutely brilliant initiative and brilliant idea. And uh, I think it's that that's going to develop. But also the newer unions that have grown up, um, which have um, relatively low costs and much less officialdom and so on, and are actually quite effectively representing people at the workplace and cleaning cleaners and others who've won their recognition disputes. And so um, all of us here in this room, either in PJP and Socialist Think Tank and Momentum, whatever it is you're, you're in, we're actually all doing the same thing. Let's get together with those that are recruiting people to join unions, but above all, educate at the same time. Feel the power of the union. It empowers people. Hard to add anything more to that. I think maybe um, I'm slightly biased anyway because both my parents were trade union organisers, so hard for me to disagree with this one. Um, I think I pretty much knew the words to Union Made before I knew the words to Disney songs, so like, that's kind of, for me it's a really important thing. Um, when we started Momentum Kids, 
I had the absolute honour of being able to speak to one of the women who started the Women Against Pit Closures campaign. And I just wanted to talk to her, it was an interview for Red Pepper, but I also just wanted to talk to her about their experiences organising and campaigning. And she told me so many amazing stories about what they did. And like, she, there was one particular story about the banners um, being held on these poles with wheels and the kids were just like skating alongside and holding them and like, you know, children at, were so integral to the whole process and the whole organising, the food. Um, so I think like for me it's also part of the education is also including the younger generation um, and having the older generation that we're all actually kind of in those organising spaces together because rather than get to a point where, you know, someone turns 18, goes to uni or whatever and joins a union and maybe starts getting involved in student union politics and then you have to learn about political education, you know, why don't we, you know, really embed the idea and ethos that young, that we all as families in our communities kind of grow the movement together so you kind of absorb it. You know, as in, like, bring your babe on hip to all your meetings. And, like, you know, and if someone is, wants to question why you're breastfeeding, I say, dare you. Come on, then. Like, you know, make those spaces actually really open. Not just talk about being inclusive, but, like, demand that we grow our movement together with our children. Um, I think we're approaching it. I'm handing back to Dan at the end of this. Is that right? So um, we've got like like two minutes left, I think. So that's time end. to wrap up and tell people about yeah. how they can get involved. Do you want to do that? Do you want to do the how you get involved thing? Because I'm rubbish at it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I do want to give. I've got some gifts for Jeremy actually. Um, here. Where is my favourite badge? Is not here. It's disappeared. Yeah, while Probably you're doing are. that, you can become a member of Socialist Think Tank at socialistthinktank.com. We are the founders, but we're no more important than anyone else within Socialist Think Tank. We have set up Socialist Think Tanks in West Midlands, in London, in West Yorkshire, in the South East. And if you wanted to set up your own version of Socialist Think Tank, then please do get in touch. We will help you to do that. Um, we are socialists. We do believe everyone is the same. If you wanted to join Socialist Think Tank, you can do so for free. You don't get any extra benefits for donating, but we do really appreciate it if you do that. Um, and then we're going to be working on, on, on those ideas together. So if you wanted to join Socialist Think Tank, you can. Please subscribe to our channels on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter. Um, follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all the things. Did I do that right? Absolutely perfect. And yes. there we go. And we also have like, <laughs> yay. We're going to make sure you wear that and get photos, by the way. Get some merch. <laughs> They've got great merch. Uh, we do, yeah. Just um, a massive thank you to Jeremy and Sasha for being part of the panel today. It's been really lovely having you here. Thank you so much to the World Transform for having us. Um, it's been brilliant. Absolutely love it. Um, get yourself to every other event that's going on. Thank you so, so much to and, Chantel, and to Chantel for, being, yeah. for being amazing. Thank you. Um, <laughs> we have Socialist Think Tank have got the biggest back catalogue of interviews. If you are interested in listening to people talk about socialism and their experiences of it, go and check us out. Everything's on our website or on our YouTube. 
Um, they are an hour long. We are going to cut some of them up eventually. Um, we're just really busy. Um, if you do want to be on the show and come and talk to us about any community groups that you have, Sasha, big announcement, is going to be one of our presenters and she's going to take over the social ties, our show that discusses um, community organising. So thanks for that, Sasha. Looking forward to that. Um, Get in touch with us, come on the show, chat to us. You know, you're all special, you're all worthy, you're all important. Everybody has a voice and we want to hear from you. So if you'd like to come and do an interview, just send us a message and we'd love to have you. And yeah, thanks again. Enjoy the world transformed. Have a lovely time and hopefully we'll see you all again soon. And thanks to Dan. Give it up for the Socialist Think Tank team. Give it up for Sasha Josette. Give it up for Paul. Give it up for Laura. Give it up for Jeremy, everyone. It is absolutely... Amazing to have you guys here.